This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Burnaby RCMP are searching for a person of interest in an attack that left a senior with life-altering injuries. It happened in Burnaby's Central Park, renewing concerns about safety. Our Aaron MacArthur is there tonight. Aaron, what have you learned? Yeah, Sophie, two days after this alleged assault, much of Central Park is still behind forensic police tape. Investigators combing the woods looking for any shred of evidence. The attack appears to be random and police don't have much to go on. Two days after an assault in Central Park, RCMP still gathering evidence. Sunday night, a 73-year-old man was found near the Patterson Skytrain station on a trail. His injuries originally thought to be minor. The elderly man is still in the hospital uh, undergoing treatment, but at this point uh, there's indications that he, he will have significant mobility issues moving forward. Police don't have a suspect, but do want to speak with someone they're calling a person of interest. A teenager with a slim build, described as being about five foot nine, last seen wearing a white t-shirt and blue jeans, maybe a red hat. The park is frequented by seniors, some who are now reconsidering their safety. Do you feel unsafe in the park? Well, sometimes uh, depends what time of the day, you know. They could blow me over, you know. I'm not able to defend myself anymore. I'm 91. This weekend's assault coming almost one year to the day that Marissa Shen was murdered in Central Park. Burnaby police saying they're doing all they can to keep people safe. We've continually uh, conducted high visibility foot patrols uh, in, in the park, round sky trains, in schoolyards. And now the Burnaby RCMP asking for the public's help to find an elderly man's attacker. Now, Aaron, do we know if police have managed to collect any surveillance video from the area? Yeah, Sophie, that might be the key to this whole thing. That person of interest was last seen running between the tennis courts here at Central Park to Patterson Skytrain Station. So they're combing the Skytrain surveillance cameras to see if there's any indication that that person of interest got on board one of the Skytrain cars. The Burnaby RCMP are also asking for the public's help. Anybody who was in the area of Central Park Sunday night between 8.30 and 10 and may have had a dash cam running in their car or taken any sort of video police would like to speak to you because that may have some information that is valuable to this investigation. They're asking people to call the major crimes number at the Burnaby RCMP 604-646-9999 or you can give Crime Stoppers a call. Mm -hmm. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Aaron MacArthur in Central Park. Now, as mentioned, this assault comes almost one year to the day of another shocking attack in that same park. The body of 13-year-old Marissa Shen found just hours after she was reported missing by her parents. Tonight, what they're saying about the somber anniversary and the latest on the investigation. Here's Romina Dea. The murder still fresh in the minds of Burnaby residents. Marissa Shen's killer still out there. A family friend says he just spoke to the teen's mother who had this message for police. She would thank the police for the hard work during the year, but she wants the police 
to capture the murderer, the suspect, and uh, return in safety to the community. Shen's murder, random. The 13-year-old last seen walking into Tim Hortons on McKay Avenue near Metro Town July 18th last year. Hours later, her body was found in the bushes in Central Park on July 19th. We still don't know how she was killed or why. I think it's more likely a classic sexual predator uh, who uh, saw an opportunity and took it or alternatively have been watching her. The last public update three months ago when I hit released a profile of the killer. Homicide investigators asked the public to hone in on seven behaviors which lacked specific detail, including the suspect may have unexpectedly moved or avoided Central Park. It happened to Marisa, and uh, it could happen to anyone who, you know, uh, who passed by Central Park, and uh, it makes the whole community very concerned, very worried. Investigators have spoken to hundreds of individuals in the area. Over a thousand people have been identified for further follow-up. Video surveillance has been collected from 60 different locations, over a thousand hours worth of footage. The police asked people to help them, but we did uh, know nothing from the police. Young life was taken away like one year ago, so we, nothing was heard from the government. Yeah, we want the details. I hit will update the public Wednesday morning, but a spokesperson has already made it clear no arrests have been made. Ramina Dea, Global News. Crews jumping on a small wildfire near Penticton this morning. just off Highway 97 near the small community of Kaledon, the local fire department, assisted by the BC Wildfire Service and with one of their helicopters bucketing the fire, managed to get the upper hand. The highway remains open in both directions. A visit to Golden Ears Provincial Park has ended in tragedy. Two young men swept over the falls. One survived, the body of the other was recovered today. John Hua has more on what happened and why rescue crews say while the water may be inviting, it's also deceiving. Beneath the picturesque falls of Gold Creek, the body of a 21-year-old Toronto man is lifted from the pools below. A haunting sight for unsuspecting hikers hoping to head outdoors on a hot summer day. You just want people to have a good time, but uh, that tragedy is always, you know, nothing worse than that. Rich Meadows search and rescue were called to Golden Ears Provincial Park at around 8 o'clock Monday night. It's believed the Toronto man got caught up in the current of one of the pools. Another 21-year-old from Abbotsford jumped in to help, but both were swept over the falls. It's probably about a 30-foot drop. It's steep, but there's uh, rocks in the middle uh, and it uh, separates into two distinct pools. The Abbotsford man suffered broken limbs, but was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Then the heartbreaking news that a body had been recovered was delivered to family waiting at the scene around midday Thursday. There's been uh, seven water-related deaths in the last five years. Uh, I know we've uh, searched for uh, many uh, people that have gone over the falls and uh, not survived. Attempting dip in what looks like a tranquil pool, hiding a dangerous truth beneath its surface. It may look calm on the surface, but uh, in many cases there's a, in a very swift current running underneath. And once you get into the pool, there's no handholds to get back out. And less than an hour after a body was recovered from these falls, others failed to see the risk in getting this close.
but so slippery on those rocks you could go down an instant. I definitely have seen them uh, go over the fence into the water. Search and rescue members worry until people respect the dangers of these falls, the body count will just continue to climb. John Hua, Global News. And we have breaking news for you right now at Bunsen Lake. Coquitlam Search and Rescue has been called out for reports of a missing swimmer. This is the view from our Global One helicopter. The area is closed off to traffic right now. RCMP are also on the scene helping. No word on how long that swimmer has been missing. Uh, we will bring you more details as they come into our newsroom. But again, a search underway at Bunsen Lake for a missing swimmer at this hour. Now, a 48-year-old Langley man is facing charges of voyeurism and assault in connection with an incident on BCIT's Burnaby campus. Nadia Stewart now with more on where the man was allegedly caught taking pictures. Yeah, it happened in the Anyone building on the Burnaby campus at BCIT on Monday. A man was spotted in the woman's washroom taking pictures on a cell phone. The incident was reported to the RCMP and the man is now in police custody. The female confronted the male who allegedly pushed the female victim and attempted to flee. The male was detained by other students with police uh, until police arrived and uh, he was taken into custody without incident. A 49-year-old Langley man is facing charges of voyeurism and assault in relation to this incident. If students or staff or anyone in the member, any member of the campus community sees something that they feel uncomfortable with, that they communicate with us immediately or with the RCMP so that we can address it immediately. BCIT says security has now been stepped up in the Anyone building. Back to you, Sophie. Nadia Stewart at BCIT in Burnaby Forest. Conservation officers attempting to deal with a troubling situation in West Vancouver. <laughs> Last week, we told you about a family that's been hand-feeding a mother bear and her cubs, giving them crackers through a sliding window. Today, officers were at the house looking to take a statement. No one was home at the time, but at some point, there could be charges. Uh, there most certainly could be charges under the Wildlife Act. There could be charges of uh, up to $25,000 or six months imprisonment. Conservation officers are reminding people once again not to feed wild animals. Doing so puts not only humans at risk, but also the animals. Another disappointing delay for tourists and locals in the Bella Coola Valley. BC Ferries intended to begin direct service between Port Hardy and Bella Coola on June 19th. But that was later delayed to July 20th and is now being pushed back to the fall. The upgrades and repairs on the Northern Seawolf, which was purchased for the new route, apparently taking longer than expected. A second vessel, the Northern Adventure, will be put into service on September 16th at the earliest. It's expected to be, uh, pardon me, to replace, to be replaced by the Northern Seawolf in mid-October. Rich Coleman is opting to stick to provincial politics, making public today that he is abandoning his bid to become the next mayor of Surrey. Our Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, uh, what was behind Coleman's decision? 
Well, you'd think that perhaps that damning report on money laundering that went on in B.C. casinos while he was Solicitor General may have played a, a factor here. But that, he made no mention of that in a statement he released to the media today. It wasn't available on camera. But in a, a prepared statement, Rich Cohen said, for the past several weeks, uh, many people have asked me to consider a new act in my political life. The, the support was overwhelming. And as I've done throughout my career, I wanted to take the time to make the right decision. But he concluded, after careful consideration and many family discussions, I will not be leaving the arena of provincial politics. So Coleman out as uh, as a potential mayoralty candidate in Surrey. But look who's in. Another blast from the past. Doug McCallum, former mayor, a longtime mayor of Surrey, announcing today he's going to take a stab at becoming uh, the next mayor of Surrey, up against likely Tom Gill, the other candidate. So McCallum trying to make a political comeback. Rich Coleman basically staying put in provincial politics. All right, here's a blast from the past. Gordon Campbell, and uh, you've got word that he has a new gig. Yeah, this came out of, of nowhere. He's been living in Ontario for some time. Uh, Gordon Campbell has since leaving uh, BC politics, leaving London as London High Commissioner. Now he's going to be working for this guy, the uh, current new mayor, or new uh, premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, who's hired Campbell on a six-week contract to conduct what he calls an independent review of the provincial's finances. Uh, this is an old-time political tradition. A new party comes in, uh, con uh, commissions a, an inquiry over how badly the previous government did in terms of handling the finances. Uh, Campbell has six weeks to prepare a report. He's going to be paid $50,000 for it. Not a bad job if he can get it. So, And it was the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. Now, victims of the Las Vegas shooting massacre are being sued. We'll tell you why a little bit later. First, though, confirmation tonight of what many British Columbians already know. Driving is more dangerous than ever in this province. ICBC says crashes have hit an all-time high. Ted Trenecki has the reasons for the shocking numbers and what ICBC says we can all do to make the roads safer. Because a vehicle drove into a building. In the duration of this news hour, there will be on average in B.C. 40 vehicle crashes. One every 90 seconds. And according to ICBC, that's an all-time high. Drivers are frustrated. On the top of the list of what driver bothers drivers the most, other drivers. BC crashes in 2017 totaled 350,000, or 960 every day. That's up 25% in just three years, and it's costing you, the insurance holder, a cumulative $4.8 billion in claims. Ah, what the... And thanks to the proliferation of these little cameras, you can now see just how bad we drive. There's a website called Vancouver's Worst Drivers, and they're up to episode 70. Lady. From the file of Old Habits Die Hard, ICBC is urging even seasoned veterans to take a refresher course. Well, you're welcome. Maybe one day you forget to come to a complete stop, nothing happens. The second day you roll through, again, nothing happens. Now it's become part of your normal routine. It's become second nature. As part of the Drive Smart campaign, anyone can go online and take a short test to see how much you may have forgotten. Because as a new insight poll suggests, very few drivers think they're the problem. The biggest pet peeps were not signaling, people traveling slowly in the left lane, running red lights, or simply not stopping at intersections. And while they remain frustrated at the actions of others, Drivers still hold their driving skills in high regard. It's funny that when everyone thinks they're not the problem because statistically that's impossible. Ted Schenecke, Global News. BCAA is putting millennials in charge of teaching us all about the dangers of driving high as we approach the legalization of marijuana. The agency is launching a role reversal public education campaign. 
I have to ask, is there going to be any at this party? I don't know. Maybe. No judgments. Just if you're going to try it, just don't drive. Text me. I'll come get you. Mom! This applies to you, too. PCAA says people aged 18 to 34 grew up surrounded by impaired driving messages. Its recent survey found that an overwhelming majority of millennials make plans for a safe ride home before a night out, would never consider driving impaired, and would call out friends for doing so. The ads also use humor to convey the message. There's a dangerous misconception that you can drive high and you're going to drive the same if not better and we know that's not true and that high driving is impaired driving so when cannabis does become legal we want everyone to follow the lead of millennials and to find a safe way home make a plan and don't drive high some more information now on that breaking news out of bunsen lake search and rescue are looking for a man who went missing while swimming near the dog beach they were called in just after five this afternoon by a park warden and the RCMP. 20 search and rescue crew and two boats are involved in the search right now. Both the beach and the nearby park entrance are closed until further notice. Again, a male swimmer missing near the dog beach at Bunsen Lake will continue to follow this story, bring you more details as they become available. An online campaign against so-called birth tourism has come to an end. The deadline is passed to sign a petition urging Ottawa to eliminate the practice of pregnant women traveling to Canada to give birth, giving their babies automatic citizenship. Paul Johnson tells us how many people have signed and what happens now. 8280 Colonial Drive in Richmond. Is this a birth tourism hotel? If you look online, the home is advertised as the Ma Inn. The pictures and text sell it as a place that caters to pregnant women intending to have their babies at local hospitals. And neighbors tell us it is a busy place with cars coming and going and the sense that many of the arrivals are international travelers. They're probably in every neighborhood. Kerry Starchuk is a Richmond activist who's launched a petition to have Ottawa crack down on birth tourism. She says the practice is making a mockery of our institutions and public finances. It is devaluing citizenship. It's making other immigrants that are waiting a while to come here and go through all the qualifications and all the documents and somebody just comes in, just has their baby. That's that's wrong. With 10,000 signatures, Starchuk's petition is headed for Parliament, but others are reacting as well. Richmond MLA Jazz Johal will sponsor a similar petition in Victoria. So the word is getting out, this is a country uh, that you can get away with this. And right now it's a small issue, but it's going to grow and grow and grow unless the federal, provincial and municipal governments tackle it head on. As for the strange goings on at 8280 Colonial, the city of Richmond says they're watching the place, but so far haven't found any actionable violations. Oh, hi. Hey, sorry. I just wanted to follow up. When we knocked, the man who answered the door said it's just his family home. Are you aware that this is... No, this is not my I think there's something wrong. Actually, I'm cooking inside. Oh, okay. Nothing to see here, apparently. Paul Johnson, Global News.
A warning tonight from BC's medical health officer. These hot temperatures are creating perfect growing conditions for one of the most toxic mushrooms in the world. As Kylie Stanton reports, the same mushroom that killed a child in Victoria back in 2016 is sprouting once again. These were located on an irrigated boulevard under a hornbeam tree. Small and soft, they appear harmless. Found a variety of them. But the name says it all. This mushroom known as the death cap is probably the most lethal of all of the mushrooms in the world in terms of accounting for more poisonings. Reports of the species sprouting up around Victoria has prompted a public health warning. This year earlier than usual due to excessive watering in the heat. Uh, it's part of our environment and so the, the key thing is to recognize it. There's a stem, a white veil and a bulb underground. Then the cap, usually with an olive or green hue with white gills. They're a very attractive mushroom. They may look good enough to eat, but it's only a matter of days before the toxins make their way through the system. It's a liver that rapidly progresses to failure um, and as a consequence of your liver not working anymore, uh, people can often have seizures, coma, and unless you get a liver transplant, which has been some of the ways in which uh, people have treated this condition, um, you will likely die of that particular poisoning. That was the case for a three-year-old Victoria boy who died after ingesting a mushroom back in 2016. His family has since been working with the health authority, releasing these posters to make others aware, hoping to prevent it from happening again. They said, you know, get out there and get the message out. <laughs> Still, no one here had any idea they could be lurking in the area. No, I haven't heard of them. I'll have to look up what they look like. Parks is working to slow the spread. So we have some sites that we check on regularly to make sure they're all taken care of. But the public can do its part as well. If you find a death cat mushroom on your own property, it's really important that you dig out all parts of the mushroom, including the cap that's below ground, put it in a plastic bag and dispose of it in your household garbage. And if they do happen to be ingested, seek help. Don't wait. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. <laughs> New video tonight, shot from the Hawaiian tour boat that was in the wrong place at the wrong time yesterday when lava from Mount Kilauea hit the ocean, exploded, and rained molten rock onto the boat. passenger on another boat farther away also caught the explosion. 23 people were injured, one seriously. The U.S. Coast Guard usually prohibits vessels from getting any closer than 300 meters from where Kilauea's lava oozes into the sea, but it has been giving experienced boat operators a special license to get as close as 50 meters. It has now stopped allowing those exceptions. Yet another day of damage control for the Donald Trump administration, but this time it was the president himself doing the backpedaling. Trump claiming he misspoke at yesterday's post-summit news conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin, now walking back his comments that set off a firestorm. I thought that the meeting that I had with President Putin was uh, really strong. First the backlash, now the walk back. President Trump tonight reading from prepared remarks delivering his attempt at a do-over, offering this explanation what he meant to say in Helsinki. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russian. Sort of a double negative. 
So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. But here is what the world heard 24 hours ago. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. The president accepting Vladimir Putin's denials of Russian election interference. Mr. Trump tonight expressing his full faith in America's intelligence agencies that he threw under the bus Monday. But in the very next breath, again, casting doubt. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. Cameras in the room catching a glimpse of the president's typed script, with Mr. Trump writing in the words, there was no collusion, a point he emphasized. Uh, there was no collusion at all. And people have seen that, and they've seen that strongly. Still, the clarification does little to erase President Trump's stunning comments, side by side with Putin, blaming Russia and the U.S. for worsening relations. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. But again tonight, the president's refusing to denounce the Russian leader. Mr. President, will you publicly condemn Vladimir Putin? Thank you. Well, for the victims and victims' families of the deadliest mass shooting in American history, it is a shocking and insulting development. As NBC's Stephanie Gosk reports, the company that owns the Las Vegas hotel from which Stephen Paddock killed 58 people and wounded hundreds is now suing the victims. Days before the worst shooting in modern American history, Stephen Paddock amassed an arsenal at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas, making multiple trips, carrying 20-plus pieces of luggage containing 22 rifles into his suite. Paddock went on to kill 58 people and wound more than 500 others. Now MGM, the owner of the Mandalay Bay, which faces over a 1,000 victims' lawsuits, has turned around and sued those shooting victims back. There's confusion by the victims. Now they are being sued by one of the largest companies in America for getting shot. They're just in disbelief and they're mad. The company is not looking for money, but is asking two federal courts to throw out their cases because MGM says it is protected under a federal anti-terrorism law. That law shields private companies from financial liability following a terrorist attack if the business relied on security measures certified by the Department of Homeland Security. MGM says it did. But the FBI never declared the Las Vegas shooting a terrorist attack. This had nothing to do with terrorism, and they have no motive for the shooting. In a statement, MGM writes in part, from the day of this tragedy, we have focused on the recovery of those impacted by the despicable act of one evil individual. Adding, years of drawn-out litigation and hearings are not in the best interest of victims, the community, and those still healing. For victims who believe the hotel could have done a better job protecting them, lawyers say a speedy resolution is not their first priority. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, a new coordinated program launched today that will hopefully ease the mental health and addictions crisis that continues to grip downtown Vancouver. As Linda Aylesworth reports, St. Paul's Hospital is taking the lead with a program that will go beyond just treating and then releasing patients. 
Something had to be done. St. Paul's Hospital's emergency room was in nearly as great a crisis as some of its patients. We were facing an unprecedented rise in mental health and substance abuse visits in our emergency department. And so today, a first-of-its-kind four-part healthcare model was unveiled, starting with this. The Hub Emergency Department. With 10 patient beds, it specializes in mental health and addictions acute care. The extra hub beds are already easing the flow in our emergency department. They create more capacity throughout the hospital and provide a buffer we didn't have before. Up to now, when such patients were discharged, they had no choice but to go right back out onto the streets. No more. In St. Paul's inner courtyard, the Transitional Care Centre now exists, thanks to a $750,000 anonymous donation to the Vancouver Police Foundation. The Transitional Care Centre is where patients who have been discharged from acute care, medically cleared, can come to decompress, um, to be engaged with community services. So that when they leave the hospital, they've got a plan and they're not just left, you know, wandering out uh, aimlessly and helplessly. After a maximum 72 hours stay, those ready to accept additional help now have the Rapid Access Addiction Clinic. No more waiting for counselling services. So it's really key for us to be able to, when someone asks for help, to deliver that help when they're asking. Not to say, even tomorrow or next week. Last but not least, an overdose prevention site just steps away from the other services. I'm encouraged that so much is being done to try to help people and I'm hopeful that we will see the results soon, but, but we're certainly not out of the woods yet. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A cyclist dodges barricades and tries to beat a drawbridge with the expected results. How she avoided death after the forecast. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is out and about enjoying the sunshine and the heat in Steveston tonight and no doubt getting some fish and chips for dinner. Christy? <laughs> that is the plan right after this, Sophie, maybe even a brew, that's for sure. Uh, you can see this is beautiful here. A lot of people enjoying the sunshine down here. Steveston Harbour is where we're at. Now, it is fairly quiet here, but you know, this is actually the largest commercial fishing harbour in all of Canada. And in Friday afternoons and through Saturdays and Sundays, this whole area is packed with people, especially down on the docks. That's where the commercial fishing boats come in, set up, uh, set up their shop, and you can get fresh fish right now in, in season, albacore tuna, chum, pink, and sockeye salmon. But it happens seven days a week down here as well. You can even get uh, frozen, flash frozen uh, fish, but lots to be had down here. Also shellfish and uh, all sorts of things. Now, it's the heat that everyone's talking about right now. This is the last hot day that you have to contend with. Much more comfortable. 28 degrees at the airport right now in Vancouver, 29. Check out Pitt Meadows, 30 degrees. Same for Surrey and out in the Fraser Valley a few areas hitting 31 today but the real heat was in through the southern Okanagan 37 in Nisoyus and also in Lillooet. Lillooet the hot spot across Canada today at exactly 37.0 degrees but we have relief in store for us over the next four days everyone it'll still feel like summer but it is going to be much more comfortable the heat warning is still in effect but I think later tonight you'll see most areas across the south coast that will be lifted 
ahead, but we do have still a severe thunderstorm watch in effect. We've got a number of lightning strikes northeast of Prince George. We'll be tracking that throughout the evening. It's the concern is that the fire danger rating is at a moderate to high level across most of the province, and you can see a few key areas at extreme, and that includes the Fraser Valley. So this is a type of scenario where over the next couple of days, we really could start to see that forest fire situation grow. Tomorrow morning, expect some cloud cover across the south coast. You'll be left with sunshine by the afternoon, but that pattern will continue on Thursday. Part of the reason why it'll be a little bit more cool for us tomorrow, or more comfortable, I would say. There's your forecast across the north, hot and sunny across the south, except with risk of thunderstorms across those eastern sections once again. And morning cloud, afternoon sunshine is the plan across the south coast. Beautiful conditions, still no rain in sight. Thus the concern, Sophie, of course, for the forest fires and with lightning in store for us this evening it certainly is a concern but yes fish and chips here mm-hmm. camera guy wayne and i are going to head there right after this and enjoy and you can put your sunglasses on now <laughs> thank <bright> you there. <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> poor christy all right all right so much better thanks christy a woman in winnebago county wisconsin has learned a hard lesson about obeying the signs and signals of a drawbridge the woman swerves through flashing barricades and tries to beat the bridge across as it starts to open and then that happens falling into the gap between the sections now luckily she didn't fall right through into the water and the bridge operator stopped the opening people passing by were able to help her out of the gap and she was treated in hospital for facial injuries all right double j in for squire i'm the bearer of bad news well wally was okay we'll carry the messenger i'm the messenger The uh, BC Lions went over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a costly one on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Jeremiah Johnson rolled his ankle, so he's out for Friday's game in Ottawa. Solomon Elamimian suffered a serious uh, wrist injury. He underwent surgery. He's out at least a month. It's a huge blow to Aleo's football club. That's two-on-two on on the season. Although Wally Bono's putting a little different spin on Elamimian's injury. Well, you know what? Maybe it's going to be good. Uh, you know, maybe all the, you know, it's like, you know, let Sully do it. Let Sully do it. Well, guess what? Sully ain't here, so he can't do it. So, you know, it's time for the veterans to stand up. As I said, we're a veteran team. Uh, you know, it annoys me to see, uh, you know, the mistakes. Uh, you know, leadership is something that's internal. Uh, if one of your leaders goes down, somebody else got to step up. Travis Lulay getting the nod for the CFL's top performer of the week. Yes, so after helping lead the Lions to their comeback victory against Winnipeg. BC erasing a 17-point deficit. Travis finished the night with 326 yards passing, his 17th career 300-yard game. He's now just 816 passing yards from becoming the third quarterback in Lions history to reach 20,000 yards. I mean, cool. Uh, I, I know. I mean, it doesn't. Doesn't phase me uh, one way or another. To be honest, the win is the affirmation of the performance, right? So, I mean, it just it's good for a smile and a pat on the back from a few guys. But I'm on to Ottawa right now already. So, yeah. Uh. Canada Cup time out at Softball City. No Australia, no United States. No big deal, at least not for Team Canada. Our women's national team sites firmly set on the 2020 Summer Olympics. A Canada Cup win, though, would go a long ways to boosting their confidence of a young Team Canada squad. It's one that's maturing with every tournament that it plays in. Well, we have balance, and we have a really good mix of experience. We have, um, you know, four or five 2008 Olympians on this team, 
Uh, we've got five or six players that actually came up through our 2011 junior program. Uh, and then we've got a few you know, new faces to the program who haven't previously been part of it. So I think we've got a really nice blend of experience and youth and uh, certainly the um, level of intensity and the level of enthusiasm we're seeing out of this group is a little bit different than in the past. The expectation is to win. Like we get, we, I mean, the expectation is to win the Canada Cup this week. If we don't, it'll be super disappointing. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be some hard conversations. But we had a meeting this morning and it's Coach Smith said, this week we're winning it. That's it. So that's kind of where the conversations are going now, too. The expectation is to win. It's not to, like, win bronze or silver or get to the playoff. It's like, okay, we're here to win, take care of business, and then let's roll. So, Bryce Harper put on a show last night going mash mode during the home run derby. Harper rung up 45 home runs in one of the most impressive home run derby displays we've ever seen. Going in, he said he wanted to win the slugfest in front of all the Washington National fans. He did that and a whole lot more. The Nationals ran a promotion prior to the game offering a dollar off lower bowl tickets for every home run that Harper would hit. 45 dingers translating into the deal of the summer as some of the tickets for the Nationals game are now discounted to one dollar. Here's Harper's mash fest. He's in another groove here with 12 and 13. Here goes 14. Here comes Bryce Harper. Goodness, this is getting fun. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be over soon. Oh, wow. another one. Oh, my goodness. That one's popped up. Remember, there are still 30 seconds of bonus time. That one could pull him within one. Clock stops. Wow. He's got 30 seconds. Yeah. Gave the trophy to his dad. His dad was the one who was pitching to him. Oh, wow. Yankees pitcher Luis Severino grabbed a quick selfie with his infielders. Also, a game underway. Watched Aaron Judge do this. How about the catch in the bullpen, though? Huh? There's a good snag. It was 1-0 for the American League. Next inning, Mike Trout, the two-time All-Star Game MVP. He's going to go yard as well. Watch the uh, lob wedge that he's going to throw up. Oh, pardon me, it's 2-1 now in the uh, fifth inning. We'll have more highlights for you on tonight's News Hour Final. Tour de France, stage 10. Well, want a piece of cheese? Yes. From the Rebel Sean region? And some wine. Whether you want and to some share wine. Check out the middle of your screen the right there. A mountain that bike guy's just not in the race. Apparently it's a good mountain bike region, so. He jumps directly over the lead breakaway group. I had to show it to you a couple times. That rings right up there with Fonzie jumping the shark. I think Jader Antwin would agree with me on that one. Julian Alafipi uh, destroyed the field today. He uh, won his third stage win for a quick step team. Greg Van Amorat continues to retain the yellow jersey. He's got a two minute 22 second lead. Coming up on ET Canada, Mamma Mia, we are going to London to visit Cher and Meryl Streep and then talk about chemistry. It's Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon in the funniest interview of the summer. That is all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's fact to you, Sophie. Thank you very much, Cheryl. 
When was the last time you rented a movie at an actual store that you had to go into? At least a decade. It I has to be longer than Yeah. I can't even remember. They were DV DVDs were a new thing yeah. at one time. Well, for a lot of people, it's an obsolete dinosaur. But for others, it's an entertainment mecca. It's the last blockbuster store in America. And so far, it's doing just fine. In Bend, Oregon, no red carpet is needed for this movie star a blockbuster video store. We're here visiting Bend and my friend said, they have the last blockbuster, you have to go get a picture. Now it's an exclusive coming attraction. Perfect. Because two shops in Alaska are closing their doors, prompting mourners dressed in black to pause and remember. But in Bend, despite competition from the likes of Netflix, business is somehow booming. You could stream those movies, why come here? Because I live three blocks away. For adults, it's nostalgic. I'm sad, but at the same time, I'm happy there's a sole survivor. I really like this I love that movie. For kids, it's a bit of a history lesson. Home alone. While corporate-owned blockbusters all closed by 2013, this privately-owned store still licenses the blockbuster brand and still uses 90s IBM computers with floppy disks. Is there a lesson we can learn from the success of this store? I think the social interaction that you get from a face-to-face, -face, um, talking to people and not having your nose in your phones, um, I think that's what you find when you get to come into a Blockbuster store. General Manager Sandy Harding started here in 2004. Her sons have worked here too, including Ryan, a chip off the old Blockbuster. I mean, everybody in the family pretty much has worked here from cousins to brothers. And for their customers, it's a welcome chance to rewind a classic. Joe Fryer, NBC News, Bend, Oregon. Was it 99 cents if you forgot to rewind? I can't remember now. <laughs> Be kind, please rewind. Exactly. Uh, pick a flick, a great video, video mm. rental store in Victoria. Let's head back to Steve Stin for uh, one last word with Christy. Thanks, you guys. Cutest little uh, brothers here, all the way up from California to my right here is Louie. This is William and Joaquin, and they are going to give you the forecast. So, Louie, let's start with you. What is it going to be like tonight? Cool. No, very hot. I'm <laughs> And what's it going to be like tomorrow? It's going to be cooler tomorrow. And what is the weather going to be like? Honey with... Sunny with the chance of nothing but sunny. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice work, boys. Thanks well for that. Have a good night, all.